0: chapter thirty seven of virgin soil volume two by ivan Turgenev, translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain directly Solomin went out neshtanov jumped up from the sofa walked twice from one corner to the other then stood still for a minute in a sort of petrified stupefaction in the middle of the room suddenly he shook himself hurriedly flung off his masquerading get-up kicked it into a corner took out and put on his own former attire Then he went up to the three-legged table, took out of the drawer two sealed envelopes and another small article, which he thrust into his pocket. The envelopes he left on the table. Then he crouched down before the stove and opened the little door. In the stove lay a whole heap of ashes. This was all that was left of Neshtanov's manuscripts, of his book of verse. He had burned it all during the night. But there in the stove, on one side, sticking close against one wall, was Mariana's portrait given him by Markelov it seemed he had not had the heart to burn the portrait too neshtanov took it carefully out and laid it on the table beside the sealed envelopes then with a resolute gesture he clutched his cap and was making for the door but he stopped short turned back and went into Mariana's room there he stood a minute looked round him and approaching her little narrow bed bent down and with one stifled sob pressed his lips not to the pillow but to the foot of the bed Then he got up at once and pulling his cap over his eyes rushed out meeting no one either in the corridor on the stairs or below Neshtanov slipped out into the little enclosure it was a grey day with a low hanging sky and a damp breeze that stirred the tops of the grasses and set the leaves on the trees shaking the factory made less rattle and roar than at the same time on other days from its yard came a smell of coal tar and tallow Neshtanov took a sharp searching look round And went straight up to the old apple tree which had attracted his attention on the very day of his arrival when he had first looked out of the window of his little room the stem of this apple tree was overgrown with dry moss its rugged bare branches with reddish green leaves hanging here and there upon them rose crooked into the air like old bent arms raised in supplication Neshtanov stood with firm tread on the dark earth about its roots and took out of his pocket the small object that he had found in the table drawer then he looked attentively at the windows of the little lodge if anyone catches sight of me this minute he thought then perhaps i will put it off but nowhere was there a sign of one human face everything seemed dead everything had turned away from him gone forever left him to the mercy of fate only the factory thickly roared and hummed and overhead fine keen drops of chilly rain began falling then neshtanov glancing through the crooked branches of the tree under which he was standing at the low grey callously blind damp sky yawned shrugged thought there's nothing else left i'm not going back to petersburg to prison flung away his cap and feeling already all over a sort of mawkish heavy overpowering languor he put the revolver to his breast pulled the trigger something seemed to strike him at once not very violently even but he was lying on his back Trying to understand what had happened to him and how he had just seen Tatiana. He even tried to call her to say, Ah, I don't want. But now he was numb all over, and there was a whirl of muddy green turning round and round over his face, in his eyes, on his head, in the marrow of his bones, and a sort of terrible flat weight seemed crushing him forever to the earth. Neshtanov had really caught a glimpse of Tatiana at the very minute when he pulled the trigger of the revolver she had gone up to one of the windows and had caught sight of him under the apple tree she had hardly time to think whatever is he doing in this rain under the apple tree without a hat on when he rolled over on his back like a sheaf of corn she did not hear the shot the report was very faint but she at once saw something was wrong and rushed in hot haste down into the garden she ran up to neshtanov alexey dimitrić what's the matter but already darkness had overtaken him tatiana bent over him saw blood pavel she cried in a voice not her own pavel in a few instants mariana solomine pavel and two of the factory hands were in the enclosure they lifted neshtanov up at once carried him into the lodge and laid him on the very sofa on which he had spent his last night he lay on his back with half-closed fixed eyes and face fast turning grey he gave slow heavy gasps sometimes with a sob as though he were choking life had not yet left him Mariana and Solomon were standing one on each side of the sofa both almost as pale as neshtanov himself shaken agitated stunned they were both especially Mariana, but not astounded how was it we did not foresee this they were thinking and at the same time it seemed to them that they had yes they had foreseen it when he had said to marianna whatever i do i tell you beforehand nothing will come as a surprise to you and again when he had talked of the two men within him who could not live together had not something stirred within her akin to a vague presentiment why had she not stopped at once and pondered on those words on that presentiment why was it she did not dare now to look at Solomon as though he were her accomplice as though he too were feeling a sting of conscience why was it she was feeling not only boundless despairing pity for neshtanov but a sort of horror and dread and shame could it be it had rested with her to save him why was it they had neither dared utter a word scarcely dared breathe and waited for what merciful god solomine sent for a doctor though of course there was no hope on the small wound now black and bloodless tatiana laid a large sponge of cold water She moistened his hair, too, with cold water and vinegar. All at once Neshtanov ceased gasping and stirred a little. He is coming to himself, whispered Solomine. Mariana was on her knees near the sofa. Neshtanov glanced at her. Up till then his eyes had had the fixed look of the dying. Oh, I'm still alive, he articulated scarcely audibly. Failed again. I'm keeping you. Alyosha moaned Mariana Oh yes directly You remember Mariana in my poem with flowers then deck me Where are the flowers? But you're here instead there in my letter He suddenly shivered all over Ah here she is give each other both your hands before me Quick Take Solomon grasped Mariana's hand. Her head lay on the sofa, face downwards, close to the wound. Solomon stood stern and upright, looking dark as night. Yes. Good. Yes. Nishtanov began to sob again, but in a strange, unusual way. His breast rose, his sides heaved. He obviously was trying to lay his hand on their clasped hands, but his hands were dead already he is passing murmured tatiana who stood in the doorway and she began crossing herself the sobbing gasps grew briefer fewer he still sought Mariana with his eyes but a sort of menacing glassy whiteness was overspreading them good was his last word he was no more and the linked hands of Solomon and Mariana still lay on his breast this was what he had written in the two short letters he left one was addressed to Celine and consisted only of a few lines. Goodbye, brother, friend, goodbye. By the time you get this scrap of paper, I shall be dead. Don't ask how and why, and don't grieve. Believe that I'm better off now. Take our immortal Pushkin and read the description of the death of Lensky in Yevgeny Onyegin. Do you remember? The windows are whitewashed. The mistress has gone. That's all. It's no good my talking to you because i should have too much to say and there's no time to say it but i could not go away without telling you or you would have thought of me as living still and i should be wronging our friendship Goodbye, live your friend a n the other letter was somewhat longer it was addressed to solomine and mariana this was what it contained my children immediately after these words there was a break something had been erased or rather smudged over as though tears had fallen on it you will think it strange perhaps that i address you in this way i am almost a child myself and you Solomon, are older of course than i am but i am dying and standing at the end of life i regard myself as an old man i am much to blame to both of you especially you Mariana, for causing you such grief i know marianna you will grieve and having given you so much anxiety but what could i do I could find no other way out of it i could not simplify myself the only thing left was to blot myself out altogether mariana i should have been a burden to myself and to you you are great-hearted you would have rejoiced in the burden as another sacrifice but i had no right to take such a sacrifice from you you have better and greater work to do my children let me unite you as it were from the grave you will be happy together Mariana, you will infallibly come to love solomine as for him he has loved you ever since he first set eyes on you at the sipyagins that was no secret to me though we did run away together a few days after ah that morning how glorious it was how sweet and young it comes to me now as a token as a symbol of your life together yours and his and i was merely by accident in his place that day but it's time to make an end i don't want to work on your feelings i only want to justify myself tomorrow you will have some very sorrowful moments but there's no help for it there's no other way is there goodbye marianna my good true girl goodbye Solomon. i leave her in your care live happily live to the good of others and you marianna think of me only when you are happy think of me as a man who was true and good too but one for whom it was somehow more fitting to die than to live whether i really loved you i don't know my dear but i know that i have never felt a feeling stronger and that it would have been more terrible for me to die without that feeling to carry with me to the grave mariana if you ever meet a girl called mashurina Solomon knows her i fancy by the way you have seen her too tell her i thought of her with gratitude not long before my death she will understand but i must tear myself away i looked out of the window just now among the rapidly moving clouds there was one lovely star however rapidly they moved they had not been able to hide it that star made me think of you Mariana. at this instant you are sleeping in the next room and suspecting nothing i went to your door listened and i fancied i caught your pure calm breathing goodbye goodbye my dear goodbye my children my friends your a why why how came i in a last letter before death to say nothing of our great cause i suppose because one can't tell lies on the point of death Mariana, forgive me this postscript the falsehoods in me not in what you have faith in oh something more you will think perhaps marianna he was afraid of the prison where they would certainly have put him and he thought of this expedient to escape it no imprisonment's nothing of any consequence but to be in prison for a cause you don't believe in that's really senseless, and I am putting an end to myself, not from dread of being in prison. Goodbye, Marianna. Goodbye, my pure, spotless girl. Marianna and Solomon read this letter in turn. After that, she put her portrait and the two letters in her pocket and stood motionless. Then Solomon said to her, "Everything is ready, Marianna. Let us go. We must carry out his wishes." Mariana approached Neshtanov, touched his chill brow with her lips, and turning to Solomín said, Let us go. He took her by the hand, and together they went out of the room. When a few hours later the police made a descent on the factory, they found, of course, Neshtanov, but a corpse. Tatiana had laid the body out decorously, put a white pillow under his head, crossed his arms, and even put a nosegay of flowers on the little table beside him pavel who was primed with all needful instructions received the police officers with the profoundest obsequiousness and a sort of derision so that the latter hardly knew whether to thank him or to arrest him too he described circumstantially how the suicide had taken place and regaled them with gruyere cheese and madeira but professed perfect ignorance of the whereabouts at the moment of vassili fedotitch and the lady who had been staying there And confined himself to assuring them that vasily Fedotitch was never away long on account of his work that he'd be back today or else tomorrow and he would then without losing a minute give notice of the fact he was the man for that accurate so the worthy police officers went away with nothing leaving a guard in charge of the body and promising to send the coroner end of chapter 37